Hello and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Eyes Wide Shut, directed by Stanley Kubrick, starring Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. My name is Cameron Tuttle and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? Well, I wish I could I wish I could just have my eyes shut. Just I'd like <laughs> to go to sleep. I'm so tired, Cameron. Mm. I'm so tired mm. of watching these these heavy films, <laughs> you know, I'm just it's it's beginning to wear. You know, I don't know if I don't know if anybody has tried to conduct an experiment like this where you're, you know, you're going to watch a director's work back to back like it's a primary movie source, you know, for of like entertainment in your life. If that makes sense, you know, just sitting through only that director's movies. There's no no other thing in your life that you're watching. Um, but that's what it's been like. And it actually broke me this week because I started watching almost anything else besides uh, a Kubrick movie. But overall, Cameron, I'm doing good. I am not doing bad at all. How about you? Uh, I'm doing good, too. I, I was saying that I feel fatigued, but I've got my I've got my coffee and I'm I'm ready to go. It's it's uh, it's feeling like a, a laid back show already. You know what I mean? I don't know what it is, but. Oh, um, yeah. Definitely. But uh, I will say the answer is yes. Obviously, people watch uh, one director's movies back to back. And this is something that I did in film school quite a bit. Actually, um, we had I had whole semesters of just one person's film. Oh, so disgusting. Um, disgusting. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, it was interesting and it, it was always um, a great sort of deep dive in the director. And a- after it, you sort of come to a... Um, a great understanding about their work and sort of, yeah, their place in history. Like one of them obviously was Billy Wilder, who, you know, has since become one of my favorite directors. Um, another person is Yozujiro Ozu, who um, we will, I'm sure will watch uh, some of his movies. They're, they're like a little, you have to, you have to ease into them a little bit. You know what I mean? So like watching that, watching, having a whole semester of just watching his movies was actually really helpful because I could understand them more. And I was able to sort of set aside my own base intuitions and dive deeper into, um, you know, into the filmmaker and sort of his style. So I, mm. I yeah, the, the answer is, um, you know, I think people do do this and, and, uh, it's, it's more of the study of, of film and sort of, yeah, what kind of what we're doing. So, um, it's not what you would necessarily do for entertainment, I guess, which is kind of your point, but I think it's, I think it is helpful in a certain sense to get a, a really accurate and good picture of, um, w- one sort of artist, if that makes sense. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's been interesting doing this podcast, like, and being able to, you know, actually attempt to follow some a director's work for a time a period of time and and try to understand who they are as a person but we've been doing this for what two months Kubrick month two months i think it's month. been like six weeks yeah yeah it's i it's getting to that point where i'm like all right we gotta we gotta change this up a little bit that could influence you know some of my thoughts on it but we'll, well say luckily that. luckily that is uh i mean we are coming to the end and and Kubrick films are basically, you know, they are limited in that he passed away and, um, you know, he made, I think it's like 11 films or something. So like mm. th- the ones that we've watched are basically the ones that I would want to show you anyways. Um, and so, you know, not, not really a need to, to go any deeper with, um, with, 
with him as an artist. Well, we'll get to we're, a retrospective. We're pretty much there. I think I think we'll get to a retrospective on him towards the end of this episode. Um, yeah. But yeah. Cameron, have you been watching anything? Um no, I really haven't. I was trying to think because I, I thought I let's see. Oh, I watched Top Gun. Oh speaking of cool. Tom Cruise. Um yeah, Top Gun was awesome. It was really good. I would <laughs> I would recommend it. I'm I'm sort of um I just want to say this before I get into things. I am very simple when it comes to sort of action movies. Um, as long as there aren't like glaring issues and problems that that I find or like, you know, things that that like hurt my brain or like don't make sense. Um, I, I like things that are action packed, um, planes that go fast, explosions, uh, you know, motorcycles and, and car chases and whatnot. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty basic when it comes to action movies. I love, you know, Mad Max Fury Road and, uh, you know, all of the, the Mission Impossible movies and whatnot. So like for me, this was, this was just like eating candy, you know, it was so, it was so beautifully done, elegant, such a simple premise and just executed for, uh, you know, pinpoint, uh, accuracy. And it, the movie is very uh, simple, like in a way that is almost a little bit dumb, but it is very simple, uh, but it just hits everything, uh, dead on. So I, I, I was really impressed. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just good stuff overall. It, it's a really, it's a really fun movie. So, I mean, it, it, to me, it's kind of like, and this is how I feel about films, even with our exploration, but like when I think about pop music, which I know you hate this Cameron, when I bring this up, <laughs> But I've been thinking about this a lot more and more where it's like sometimes like you it's like the the masters of a craft like they 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 kind of reel it way back and become like oversimplified to like mm. begin to love the you know the like the minutia of like whatever whatever they're working on. And I, I was thinking about how like these pop records are created by some incredible musicians. Like literally like some of these people that produce and put together these tracks like they have such highbrow uh knowledge of like music theory and and it's like maybe the pop artist who's singing the song doesn't fully know it, but sometimes they do. I mean, I think famously like I think about like Lady Gaga's music and how she like she graduated from uh what was it? Like Juilliard or whatever. Like she's like a music genius, but she almost like leaned into this this pop form it, it to me it's almost like you can come full circle in excellence when you simplify things if you've kind of reached so far into one direction and come back to it i think that's where it like you can knock it out of the park so um yeah that's just kind of a side tangent i've only heard good things about top gun i gotta see it i haven't seen it yet so yeah i'd i'd recommend i saw it in imax um so see it on sort of the biggest screen you can. It's, you know, it's one of those movies that you want the the full experience. Yeah, it was awesome. Just just generally a good time overall. Um, so, yeah. Well, I have been watching way too much because I have been trying to cl cleanse my palate. Um, <laughs> I think probably the most notable thing is Stranger Things season four. Um, I finished that with Jules. I guess it's like part one or something like that. Stranger Things is interesting because I still stand by the first season. I think that the first season is excellent. 
I really do think there's something special about the show and the way it's put together. Um, of course, the score is just great. Uh, and the pairing with licensed music as well is awesome. And I think the show looks phenomenal as well. I, I believe that the way that it's uh, composed. And I am glad to report that season four is probably the best if since season one, if not better than season one. In my opinion, wow. which I was surprised by. There are camera shots in this season that I've never seen done in a movie, um, <laughs> which I was just blown away by. They did this. There's this one in particular where the camera flies through school doors, pans up into the sky, and then pans backwards upside down on a crime scene. And the camera continues to like be upside down as you follow a uh, like a stretcher that's covered with a dead body moving into the car. I was like, what is even happening right here? Like the editing flawless, you know, the upside down shot into following a body being like, you know what I'm saying, right? You can imagine the movement of the camera. Yeah, I can, I can sort of see it. Yeah. It's, 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 it was to me, I was like, there's an attention to detail with this, with, with this season cinematography that I think is great. I think the story, uh, becomes way more like I think TV shows have this 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 thing where they constantly expand and get bigger and they kind of lose like that initial charm. Um this season does something where they're like we're just going to kind of bring in like the antagonist uh to be something that's sort of consistent and like it's it's set up kind of moving in a way. Is it a little stretching your disbelief maybe a little bit but it, it's not like prior seasons where they're like oh, you know, well, there's monsters and there's a different dimension and then now the Russians are involved and now it's becoming this geopolitical... It's like, wait a second, I thought this was about, like, kids in, in a high school fighting a monster and now it's, like, this whole, like, 80s thing, which is season three. Season three is absurd. Um, is it fun? Sure. Is it great, though? I don't know. But this season, to me, um, I really loved it. I actually, I genuinely am like super excited for the second part. Um, it's kind of dark and graphic too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would be interested to see if you ever got around to watching it, Cameron, what you thought of it. So yeah, I, I um, like you, I really liked the first season and I kind of hated this, the next two seasons. Um, yeah. Uh, I just didn't feel that same connection um, and was kind of burnt out by season three. So I, I basically, with this announcement, I was like, eh, whatever. I don't really care that much. So um, uh, good to hear that it got your endorsement. Um, that is something that I'll I'll consider uh, reinvesting my <laughs> my attention to. So I think I'm also th looking for forward to the boys this season. Um, which I don't know if you've seen that show, but it is fantastic. And I hear it's, uh, this new season is really good. I have not, I've not watched it. I've been kind of tempted to store, sort of step into to that. Um, but kind of binging stranger things with Jules, like it sort of led us to be like, oh, we should watch some more Netflix things. And so I watched a mini series on Netflix called, uh, the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window, uh, with Jules. It stars Chris and bell. Uh, it's kind of a, drama mystery movie like she it's this woman who has had a tragic life and she's a drunk and she witnesses someone get murdered across the street and everyone's like you're crazy right so pretty basic setup 
I just need to warn you, don't watch this miniseries. Um, it is, it seems okay at first. And we, and Jules and I were very much uh, kind of like me and like, we're I, like, I was like, eh, I'm not really into this kind of thing, but she was like, I want to see what happens. So we were watching it together. Um, the end is probably some of the worst written whodunits. I, could ever imagine. So I'm going to, I'm going to spoil the show for your enjoyment, Cameron, uh, because you're not <laughs> okay. going to watch this. So if you no, really no. care about this, um, you know, so like, obviously the, the plot is like, they're looking across the street there's, she sees a woman killed. Oh, it's this guy's girlfriend. The guy did it. So there's this whole thing of her trying to figure out it's the guy. Oh, but she secretly was seeing someone else and there's this whole con and it's like, okay, cool. You know, you're going through these different suspects and at the end, you know, she's like, well, it turns out the the guy who's been working on my house uh, was a like a sane asylum guy because uh, he was kind of slow. He kind of seems like a slow character. And she's like, and he's the one that's been killing people to protect me. I was like, all right, that's a little bit of a stretch. You know, mm-hmm. that's a little bit of a stretch. So she's like, she runs over to the house. She's like, he's going to try to kill um, this guy's family with the little girl because you know, they threaten me with a restraining order or something because she keeps breaking into this guy's house, right? And then she goes into the house and, like, the guy who who was actually, like, slow and did get rehabilitated, um, he is found on the ground, like, like, bleeding out. And it turns out it's the little girl, like, the child who's the murderer in the show. <laughs> and I just, like, I, I erupted with, like, I was like, I cannot believe this. And the child's motive for killing the first woman in the window was that the girlfriend said she couldn't have any chocolate. So literally the line in the show is the little girl says, you know, what's, you know, what's not sweet. And she pulls out a knife and shanks the lady. (laughs) And then that's the murder. (laughs) And I was like, are you telling me that this kid and she goes, the kid is like dead serious. She like goes through like how all these other people have been killed. And it was like all part of her plot. The child, the child was the one murdering all these people. And I'm like, there's, it's not even like, there's no demons or anything. It's just like the child's like, I don't like people. And so I get rid of them and I just couldn't believe it. So I just had to, you know, wow. Of all the ways it you could have really ended it. stupid. It sounds it, stupid. It was, yes, it was very stupid. Um, so yeah, don't watch that. I've also uh, gotten in, watched, a, I've started watching a couple films, uh, one of which I had seen before, which I watched with Jules. It's called Big Fish. It's a Tim Burton movie. Um, really like this movie. I think there's, it's about a uh, old guy who's dying and his son and like the old guy is, he, he's known for like recalling these over the top stories and his son is like, you're always lying, you know? So the whole movie like goes through this guy's life uh, in like these over the top stories, very Tim Burton fairy tale esque, and I love it. It's very stylistic. It's, um, I think it's you know a feel good movie. I think it's very fun too, um, and it's just so Tim Burton. There's a, a town with Steve Buscemi, who's a, uh, um, he's like a poet that went missing, and he's like in this town uh, in one of these stories. I love that whole sequence. There's like a t- there's like a town in the middle of the woods that. Um, you know, the old dad finds in one of his stories. And uh, the, the old dad is is Ewan McGregor, is like the young version of him in it. So really good. You should check that out. Um, I also started watching Silver Linings Playbook, which I have never seen. 
I've watched half of it and I'm going to finish it. So far, I really like it. It's very chaotic. It's chaotically shot and edited, which I think adds to kind of that, um, you know, it, it's trying to amplify like the bipolar stuff and the performances are fantastic in the movie. So I don't have much more to say. Obviously, people have been telling me I needed to watch this movie and I like it a lot. I had no doubt that I was going to like it. Yeah, and, let's revisit that again next week because um, I really love that movie. So um, I'd be interested to see where you kind of land on it. Yeah, I've also been watching the Kenobi show. I'm not ready to talk about it yet. I, okay. I I'm not like it, we don't we don't have a lot of time to dive into it. I I haven't watched episode three yet. I'm supposed to watch it tonight with Glenn. So we'll get into that later. Um we actually have some audience questions. This one's written by uh, one of our patrons, Tim. Remember, you can write in a question to our show if you support us at a certain level on Patreon, and we'll get to that shilling in a bit. But Tim asks us a question about Morbius. He said, recently, Morbius has been trending a lot on Twitter with uh, Morbius time, quote, quote. Mor- Morbin time. Morbin it's time. Morbin right? time. Morbin time, right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not on Twitter that much. Uh, what's the chance that the film distributor slash Sony will announce a sequel? Why do these companies get trends wrong and mistake it for popularity? I mean, Morbius was returned to theaters. I think I saw a, a, a headline saying that it made $85,000 uh, in box office money with Morbius returning. Yeah, with its second this run. Last, yeah. Yeah. For this, uh, yeah. So, um, Cameron, thoughts on Morbius? I haven't seen it. I don't really have any thoughts on it, but. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Um, I I was honestly a little bit confused about the the whole meme uh, when it was happening. I, I it's still I think it like has settled down a lot since then. But um, I mean, yeah, I think I think the 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 reason is very obvious why uh, studios get get these sort of trends and these memes wrong is because it's a bunch of boomers. Like there's, it's like, there's no more complicated answer than they just don't understand. It's like, that's it. And so this obviously, you know, it's morbid time was an ironic, um, uh, sort of, I think it was, um, making fun, taking the piss a little bit out of, uh, the movie. And so there was something about, um, that idea that caught on, I guess, um, for some, some reason. And I think, you know, the Sony execs probably saw that and were like, we got to capitalize on our, uh, you know, missing profits right now since Morbius is out of theaters and it's exploding everywhere. You know, people are talking about it everywhere and they mistook that for, popularity when it was actually um just kind of a stupid joke and uh, i i really think it just comes down to the fact that they don't they don't understand and it, and it, there, it's not that complicated either you can understand why they don't understand i don't really understand um but they can it's easy to mistake the popularity of um the meme for popularity of uh the the movie or the franchise and you know what's the chance that it that it gets gets another or gets a sequel? Um, I think probably pretty low, uh, considering how poorly it did. I mean, it flopped. It flopped twice. So I I doubt that. I think they saw that, and I mean, maybe maybe they are going to double down and say, 
uh, no, it it really was popular. You know, it was just misunderstood. Sure, uh, but I just I doubt it. I think Sony has seen that as like a double burn um, in their uh, in this project. So I, I'm I'm really I'm this is not surprising to me at all. So yeah, I I don't know this like there's a part of me that's like it's sad that the board meeting isn't gonna be like I, I if there was a sequel it's gonna be a bunch of people being like. Well, why why were people actually talking about Morbius? Like, what was the <laughs> what was the cause? Like, how do we get those people to talk about it again? You know? Yeah, they're yeah. All, exactly. They're all sitting around and they're like, maybe we need to put it's Morbin time in the next one. Like, like that needs yeah, to be the that's frame. That's exactly and what so it's. So the yeah. second movie is gonna have them say, like, it's Morbin time seven times, you know, every hour. And uh, it's just going to keep when in reality, I think, you know, if they were going to recover the IP, it would like to be honest, it's not even that difficult. Like they would just have to make a second one for even less budget and make it even worse than before. And they could really live like they just, you know, they'll go with like what what it was. Yeah, They it? leaned into like the old school, um, like, uh, you know, uh, horror, you know the the classic B horror movies or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. I, I I don't know. I just I I see this as um, suits in uh, you know boardrooms not understanding memes and the internet. So, but it's easy to it's it's easy to see why they could come to the conclusion that oh Morbius it actually is popular now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like I I can I can see what they're you know why they came to that conclusion, but, um, it was wrong. It's very sad, you know, I mean, and none of those execs are going to listen to this show and get advice, you know, from it. So yeah, but like, um, who cares? I mean, they, they're, <laughs> they're going to do what they do. Like, but the, yeah, it doesn't matter. So yeah, Morbius, see, stupid. I, it's yeah. stupid. <laughs> Well, uh, this is Cinema Spectator. You can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Get uh, some exclusive content uh, every couple of months or an episode or a commentary track. We just kind of put out free stuff for that's Patreon exclusive. You support us at the dollar level. Uh, you can also have your questions read on air just like Tim Smith did at the $5 level. So if you want to support us there, you can have that ability. Write in a question in the DMs and we will read it on the show. If you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. We appreciate a rating on iTunes or however, whatever service you listen to. I don't think you could do ratings on uh, shop or I keep saying Shopify. Spotify. Spotify. Um, I work on too many web <laughs> platforms. So yeah, or just tell friends and family. All that stuff helps the show grow. We appreciate you guys listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to our reviews. We're a small operation, but we appreciate you guys listening to the show. Uh, it encourages us. It helps us make this thing. We are Funded by the audience, so we appreciate you guys, of course. Cameron, it is time to conclude Kubrick Month and dive into this this one. Uh, give us some context, background, plot, everything. Yeah, so Eyes Wide Shut, um, it, when it came out, it held the record for being the longest uh, continuously uh, filming movie of all time, as in it took a very long time to actually shoot this film. Um, and you know, partially, I don't know, I, I'm kind of going back and forth with this conclusion, but I do think the making of this film was very arduous for Kubrick, um, and probably led to sort of his poor health, um, in the end of days. And actually this, uh, film was released 
uh, posthumously, um, I believe. And there were things that were changed after he he died. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit more um, once we get into sort of full spoilers on the movie. But um, this is a uh, this this is a uh, an adaptation um, by a it's a novella, actually. So, you know, a short book, basically, um, called Tromnaville. Um by uh, Arthur Schnitzler, and um, it actually is very faithful to to the book. I I, I was reading up a little bit about the um, uh, sort of the I guess the plot of the book. I I haven't read it, but um, yeah, it is like it's pretty much beat for beat. So um, you know, all of the plot points, all of the story beats. I'm sure there's some tonal differences between the the book and and the movie, obviously, but. Um, yeah, pretty much plot for plot, you know, beat for beat is this is Tromnaville. So, um, kind of interesting in how you know, considering how many of Kubrick's films were adaptations, um, and he sometimes played fast, pretty fast and loose with the you know actual tra- you know translating that to film, um, but. For the most part, this one is his last film. It was very faithful. So, um, kind I kind of find that uh, odd in this this context. And thinking about sort of the wide gap between this movie and um, the last movie that we watched uh, two weeks ago, a Full Metal Jacket. It is interesting to note that he was working on multiple projects at, at, at the same time. So it wasn't that he spent, you know, 13 years or whatever uh, shooting this movie. It was that he would pick up a project, um, do it for, you know, maybe six months or whatever. And then, you know, it would end up not going anywhere. And so in this time period, he tried to remake or he tried to make Napoleon, which was kind of a lifelong project of his. Um, he tried to make a movie about, uh, about the Holocaust. Um, he had another sort of smaller scale, uh, crime film that is actually going to be made, um, uh, is currently in production, uh, which, which I find kind of interesting. I actually found that two of his movies right now, I'm, I'm going to look them up just so I don't get it wrong, but, um, two of his movies that he sort of started in this time period, uh, but never actually made are being made uh, currently right now. So obviously not by Kubrick, but um, uh, hold on, let me see which ones they are. Um, let's see. I was reading um, a lot about sort of this, um, his, his, you know, his many projects that he picked up and, and sort of put down. Um, so, uh, the, his Holocaust one was called the Aryan papers. Um, and then the Napoleon one, um, is obviously the other one. And then let's see. Um, well, anyways, uh, I won't get to that, but he also actually was, he, he was the first director, um, in charge of AI artificial intelligence that came out in 2001, um, by, uh, Steven Spielberg. And so he was, he was the one who was kind of 
starting to direct that that movie um and then he passed away during its uh, production so um spielberg took over sort of the mantle of that but yeah this was you know unceremoniously his last movie it wasn't like this was he you know he planned to go out this way necessarily but um you know it ended up being kind of a split um people are are kind of split on this in sort of his legacy and I think one of the reasons is um, it's kind of a small scale movie in a lot of ways. Um, it's it's kind of a family drama uh, <laughs> more than anything. And, and you know, it doesn't really have the same sort of tenets that a lot of other Kubrick movies um, do. And so it is kind of a weird movie in his in his catalog. So I'm interested to see what you think about it in terms of, uh, you know, in the context and then sort of how you think about it, um, you, you know, generally overall. Yeah. I mean, Cameron, do you want to give a quick plot summary? I don't know if I heard that just so people can know. What the yeah. Um, I guess uh, the plot is kind of, uh, I, <laughs> it's, it's a little free floating, but uh, basically he finds, um, you know, a man, a doctor sort of upper class um, kind of, uh, ritzy couple in New York. Um, he finds out that at one point, um, his wife sort of admits that she was thinking about cheating on him, you know, doesn't even actually admit to an affair, but admits that, that sort of, she was going to cheat on him or was thinking about cheating on him. And that sends him sort of into a, um, <laughs> into a, a spiral of trying to find himself um, on, you know, this one sort of night long journey of um, exploring sort of the seedy underside of, of New York. And it ends up uh, with, you know, many, many wild, uh, many things happening to him that he probably wasn't ready for and wasn't expecting. Um, and that's kind of the best overview that I can that I can give without spoiling. Yeah, I, I do I do think I want to spoil this movie talking about it, but I'll do Yeah, my yeah, best, we will. But um to like kind of veer away cuz I think what this movie is known for in its legacy it's kind of I don't know, I I didn't I didn't know exactly like where this movie was going, but nothing that happened in this movie surprised me if that makes sense. There was nothing that was a big reveal and even probably the most notable, memorable, like kind of shocking element of the film. I think you know exactly what I'm talking about, Cameron. To me, it was almost like not, it wasn't very exciting. And maybe it was just at a, it was just a point of like how, how far and messed up you know, society is or at this point or like how like just how maybe I'm just becoming extremely callous to anything at all. Um, but it was almost kind of like I, for me, I was like, well, OK, you know, like there's there's this thing, the whole, you know, I I don't know. I just for me, I was just kind of like, I get it, you know, like I get this is I don't know if this is where it comes from or whatever, the whole, you know, masquerade thing and all that. I was like, very, very neat, you know, <laughs> that's all I was like, very neat, very cool. Um, it was re really that was the least interesting part of the movie 
uh, for me. The things that I enjoyed about this film were like little, like dreamy moments uh, lost in New York City um, in this in this movie, and I didn't really care for the family drama or the marriage relationship because there was something alien about um, the the husband and wife's relationship. Uh, Tom Cruise and whoever the other lady is, Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Um, their, their, their relationship in the film and, and this bothers me in a lot of Hollywood movies. It's what bothered me in marriage story actually is like their, their world and their marriage is solely revolving around themselves and there's no acknowledgement. There's barely any acknowledgement for their kid. And it, to me, I'm like, it just doesn't feel very real, you know? Um, they mention her in passing a little bit, but it's like. Maybe it's something about being like that wealthy that you have a maid or a you know babysitter or something like that. I'm not sure, but for me, it was like it made it very hard to believe that they were. I don't know, like like genuinely like married and had a kid, but they don't talk about the kid. They don't care about the kid. They're barely, they're barely involved with the kid. It feels extremely like. I I don't know. Like I just that's just not my. That, that's not what I experience in life, you know? Maybe that is something privy to the upper class. I'm not sure. Um, but so there was something that was a little inhuman about their relationship. I didn't feel, you know, any sparks or any like sort of like chemistry that I thought should have been there that could have elevated the drama. What I found enjoyment in was sequences of you know, Tom Cruise wandering through the city being very, like, contemplative and depressed, and he, you know, he has that interaction with the costume shop guy who's really funny. Like, that that whole interaction for me, I was like, this is great. Like, there's something very energetic about this. The 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 cast is, you know, it's like the the engine is moving at this point. Or the, mo- the cool, like, kind of noir moment where he goes to see, like, his friend playing music at the bar, right? Um, just those little, there's like little moments in this movie where I'm like, I really enjoy some of this. Um, there, there's something about like what's going on in the movie that's giving you kind of a cool noir feeling. I think that's really what it is, is there, there's something where it's like, and and even though, even that interaction that he has with the woman on the street, like the way that they interact and they go back to her like hotel and stuff. I was like, there's something about this, like this whole experience that is cool uh so that kind of middle section for me like kind of brought me in and i was like that was uh, there's something that's kind of catching me here and then when he goes to the party i found myself being like all right this is kind of a whole you know like illuminati kind of thing going on and then just the paranoia after that it kind of it kind of borders into a little bit of like um you know thriller sort of ground um and I was sort of left wondering, like, where is this going? It's kind of lingering. I'm not entirely sure what I'm supposed to be getting out of this. And then the moment where he goes and visits his friend who had hosted the first party, right? Um, and they're talking, and he's the, they have, like, a glass of whiskey and stuff. And suddenly the movie shifts for me at that moment where it's like Kubrick is trying to say something about things that he's experienced. And I don't know if that's really like, I, I, it felt like suddenly there was like this 
uh, commentary about the underbelly of of society or the underbelly of the elites that had come about, right? Uh, and I was like, I didn't expect, I didn't expect this comment. I was like, oh well, this kind of. I feel like now there's something being said in this movie, which I felt like for the last two hours, nothing was being said. You know, it was more of just kind of like this. I, it just kind of kept going, you know. Um, but even when the thing, even when it's all said and done. Uh, and the final line in the movie happens, I still felt like it, there was n- there was something that I I was like not coming together. Something was not connecting for me uh, in this film. I found myself not very offended uh, by the movie, despite its explicit content. I found it more uh, more of a more of a drag, to be honest, um, which. Considering the content of the movie, it doesn't feel like it should be a movie that's a drag. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting because I think I, I probably felt that way my first time watching it. Um, like a little bit of sort of the meanderingness and and maybe the I mean, the it's a pretty long movie um, and sort of, yeah, it feels very like floaty a little bit. You know, you're kind of just in the in the space the mind you know the mindset of um this guy you know on sort of a long night out basically um i probably felt that way the first time too but watching it again i really really appreciated um well i'll just say i i loved it this time i'm i'm i came sort of you know i re reevaluated what i thought about it the first time and sort of I remembered I basically took like almost nothing from it. Um, so I was, I was sort of thinking about what I, um, am looking for in a movie like this or like what I, what I can sort of glean from it. Um, and I think you're, you're obviously right that, um, the, the, uh, the sort of chemistry between them and some of the elements of that relationship are very, inhuman um you know it's a very kubrickian touch on things um which i really appreciated this time i really liked it because um they it is it is kind of weird it's like off it's off-putting a little bit um and it put it from the very beginning it puts you in this mindset that these people are different from you basically um, which is kind of kind of a, an interesting place to go, as you said. I mean, this is this movie is kind of about the um, the you know things that you don't that you're not supposed to see, basically. Um, the the things in society that are you know m- supposed to be under the radar, um, supposed to be a little bit hidden from your from the the average joe's uh view and um you know stumbling into that basically uh completely on accident um and so by by having them be so distant and sort of inhuman and like kind of selfish and weird um it makes you already in that mindset from the beginning that um these people are are different from you they they are weird living in this giant New York apartment and basically just like shoving your kid off to, um, you know, to the nanny or whatever. And like, you know, going out on the town and, uh, whatever else, like that's different from most people's experience, obviously. Um, and him being sort of this, this elite, 
um, from the beginning, obviously there's there's a level of separation there from you and the audience. And then on top of that, he gets into something that he's not even supposed to see. So it's like it's like two tiers above where you are, basically, right. um, which which I find kind of kind of interesting. And and I liked um, I agree with you that I love that sequence of him sort of um, aimlessly almost like wandering between uh, things that he's not supposed to do, basically. <laughs> um, yeah. And kind of not like really like one foot in, one foot out. Um, but that's like the that's an extremely human like yes representation yes. of like how people feel when they're fighting moral urges, right? Like that's what I think. I think that's why that that part of the movie connected with me. Um, I just it was like some of the surrounding stuff was less interesting than that little like spark of yeah of of interesting stuff you know so it it's kind of like it's it's like an hour or hour and 15 minutes in before we get almost to like the meat of the movie in a lot of ways um and i do i feel like the the sort of house party sequence in a lot of ways is one the legacy of the movie and two um it's the uh it it's like it's what people remember. Um, and I think partially because it is, um, obviously very iconic and visually is, is so interesting and, and sort of unique. Um, but at the same time, it is sort of the moral thrust of the movie in a lot of ways. And it is kind of what, uh, what the movie is talking about. And I feel, I feel like, um, Kubrick, it has like a disdain for sort of, um, well, one, the main characters, and two, sort of the elites that he's trying to, um, to basically emulate. And there is something very, um, it it's it's weird because you, you kind of get a, it's it's like you're peeking behind the curtain. Obviously, I'm I'm not saying that these, you know, I'm sure events like this happen. I don't know about like you know secret groups, uh, you know murdering people or maybe maybe not or whatever you know i don't don't know about that but there is something about that that is very um populist in that um we all kind of think that it might be happening you know you all you we all kind of have this idea that oh no like um you know all of this you know politicians friends they're all committing suicide and whoa and you know you know you hear about wild parties in you know in hollywood and stuff like that and it's like yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this is, you know, one to one true, obviously, probably not, but at the same time you everybody has that suspicion that things like this are kind of going on. Um and that is kind of fun to to see and at the same time you're watching this guy who has been sort of in a weird headspace and been like I really upset at my wife. Uh, but also like what, like how am I supposed to fix that and sort of handling these urges of wanting to, um, you know, wanting to, to sleep with someone else, but not really having any, (laughs) um, like basically being terrified too. And, um, you know, he walks into this, this totally like, um, he's just like way out of his depth basically. Um, right. And, yeah. and that I think is fun to see sort of uh, from a narrative perspective. I really like that, um, 
there's this there's this challenge um, in his mind of like, yeah, you know, I'm I go to parties like I go to like I'm a baller, basically, like I want to like get me in here, Nick, Nick Nightingale, you know, the piano player, like help me out. Um, And then on top of that, he that that final conversation between him and uh, um, I forget the other guy's name, but that final final conversation around the pool table um, where he's you know, the guy's like, no, like you just, it's a misunderstanding. You don't understand, you know, now you, you're paranoid and you're, you're feeling like, you know, things are, you know, yeah, she, owed, you know, she OD'd, like nobody killed anybody, blah, blah, blah. I love that. That whole dialogue sequence is awesome. Like, it's that's amazing. Like one of the best <laughs> moments in the movie for sure. Because, because at that point you're like, it all sounds reasonable enough. And it's, it's the same thing that we feel when we hear like, like, oh, you know, one of Hillary Clinton's friends, like, also committed suicide and, like, but he was shot. What? And, you know, and it's like, <laughs> right, right. You know, and you're yeah. like, you're like, uh, well, I mean, sounds plausible. Maybe it could have happened. But you get the suspicion of, like, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know exactly. where you're like, yeah. where you're like, uh, you, you get. You understand that this is like the this is the party line, you know. This is like what they're going to say to you, um, but you also kind of feel like you're being lied to at the same time. Yeah. You, you have this sense that that it's it's very um, <laughs> it's very coincidental that all these things have happened in the last twenty four hours or whatever. And I I think that's like super universal um, in terms of of what we you know what we get and then on top of that like the thriller element of it and the mysterious there there is kind of a the the last third of the movie i guess turns into sort of a thriller um kind of who done it mystery almost um and i think that all of that stuff is really compelling too like i love i love when he's like walking in the street and he's like he's like being followed and then like yeah, you know, yeah. he's you know it's all it's all really um, it it reminds me of like classic noir, like classic filmmaking. Um, where you know it's kind of tucked in this movie that is, um, you know maybe boundary breaking in some ways or, um, a little bit pushing the envelope, I guess. Um, for you know for as as Kubrick was one to do basically, but um, at the same time, it feels very. Um, feels very classic. I, I don't know what it is about it, but uh, the movie feels like it was made in like the seventies, not in the nineties, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think even though there are like little bits that I found interesting, I couldn't help but feel that the movie kind of reminded me of like one of those greasy, uh, airport novels that, you know, was like, but it, but it was strangely like from the perspective of a man, and there's also not really anything hot and steamy. It's there's something very like <laughs> in, in this movie. It's weird. There's there's explicit content, right? And but it's it's like there's a hatred for any form of like like it's weird. It's like there's 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 a hatred. It's kind for of anti sex like sexuality. Yeah, no, yeah. it really is, which yeah. is confusing. <laughs> Right, because the movie is constantly like you know, 
being it's it's like it's out there right it's it's kind of inappropriate but it's very yeah i think that's uh, that was one of the takeaways is i was like this movie like hates uh sex which is so weird you know like i don't know like it's just very um well i think it i think it's an angry film (laughs) it feels very angry you know (laughs) like yeah i i don't know i don't know if i would call it angry um but i think it is dealing with um sort of the um the yeah i think i think there's something about the movie that has this position that like um things are um th- there's like an inherent um conflict in sort of these sexual situations even in sort of a you know long relationship or marriage or whatever um there's this sort of deep-seated you know for both of them there's a deep-seated desire to um break the trust of the other person um for for nothing essentially and it's like it's it is interesting because again i do i kind of like you were saying when he's he's sort of wandering around and being like I don't know how to do this. Like I'm trying to do something bad, but I kind of don't really want to at the same time. Like mm-hmm. I think I I think that's that's human in in the same way that uh, like I don't know. There's this there's the sense in the movie that um their like betrayal is sort of uh part and parcel with being intimate with someone if that makes sense Um, yeah yeah which i mean i i I think it's a deep truthful statement right um but i just found that it this film like kind of i don't know i don't know i think i mean it feel like it's it's very Kubrick because it's very cynical, you know. <laughs> yes, uh, it's just very cynical about like relationships and everything like. And and I don't. I I feel like I'm a, you know, come on, I'm moderately cynical. I do a podcast, right? You know, I have to I have to have a little <laughs> bit of that in my blood to do something like this. But I just, it was like just so. I I don't know, like the the moments of human interest that I had in this movie were so far and few that like but but like the subject matter is like trying to be so like intimate to like interpersonal relationship so I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't decide with this movie because it's like dry like the driving conflict is between a husband and wife but then there's a bunch of commentary, like the the exciting, flashy, memorable parts are like the commentary about the underbelly of the elites, you know. Um, and I felt nothing from the the marriage relationship, to be honest. And I was more intrigued in the thriller and the mystery, but not in any sort of like, ooh, this is spicy. It was more of an anger with it, you know. I was like. You know, yeah, I'm populist, you know, eat the rich, right? You know, like uh, like all those, like, you know, like being angry at, like, the elites because it's like, there's nothing you can do, but they're going to kill us anyways, you know? Um, and so, like, 
I, I, would, <laughs> I was like, how did we get to this? Like when it was just starting with like a couple kind of being weary of each other or like, or being, you know, thinking they're betraying each other. Like it's just so, I, I don't know. Like it felt, I, I, I can see how like people can defend this movie because there are, there are unique elements to it. And there's some, like there, there's not really anything that I've seen like, like this film, you know? Yeah. Um, but I walked away thinking like, yeah, that wasn't for me, you know? I watched it and I was like, that was not like something that I want to watch. It's not something that I feel like most people, I don't know. Like I kind of feel like there's, I mean, if you, if you've listened to the show, like, you know, kind of my preference, you know, like, and what the kind of movies I watch, I just, I I could see how, where, where am I trying to go with this? I could see some people like being into this kind of movie, you know? Um, maybe like you enjoy a movie like Gone Girl or something like that. And you're like, this is kind of thriller-esque and it's relational and things like that. But though, like to me, I was like, I don't really lean into those movies too much. And the interesting parts of this movie still didn't feel like fulfilling to me as well. So it's hard for me to be like, well, maybe if you dabble in there, you can like jump into this or maybe like... Maybe if you, I, I I don't know, like there was just something about this movie that I felt way less intrigued by than some of the past Kubrick movies. And um, I really want to get to the retrospective, Cameron, but I think, yeah, I don't know. I want to, I want to like open up any, any, anything else we need to talk about with this film as well. Cause that's kind of like my take. And obviously in the context of the other ones we've talked about, I'll, I'll we'll save it for that section. But is there anything else you want to say about this movie before we move on from it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 sort, I, I see what you mean in that it probably isn't really a movie for you in turn. I mean, you don't even really like, like the thriller kind of movies either. So, um, you know, what, I, uh, but what I will say is this movie, I think the ending is, um, much more positive than a lot of other Kubrick movies, um, which is kind of s- strange. It's a little surprising. Like the movie kind of ends with like a sequence of reconciliation um, and sort of a, a rebuilding of trust in a lot of ways. Um, and I found that section to be really um, actually kind of uh, interesting and and moving in in a way where, um, you know, we're pretty, we're kind of put off by them as a couple at the very, very beginning. And then they have sort of, um, you know, and she, like to me, she, this time around, she really, um, like seemed terrible to me. And I forgot, I totally forgot that, um, she doesn't even admit to doing anything with the, right, with yeah. the Navy guy. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of interesting how like you watch you watch that sequence of them fighting um in the bedroom and it's like man she is just like awful like she's so bad um and she didn't she she didn't even really do anything but she's she's kind of poking at like a she's like she's like scratching a scab and trying to see if it if it'll bleed you know and it's like there's something really like 
um, unsettling about that sequence. But there, there is a little bit of redemption, which you you often don't see in Kubrick movies. Like it's very rare to have sort of a redemptive arc or a redemptive relationship in a, in a Kubrick movie. Um, but I think you get it here, and I think the ending um, when they're in the toy store and sort of talking amongst themselves, like I I think that um, I think that sequence is is supposed to be genuine. Um, like obviously the last line is supposed to be. Um, kind of a joke or, um, you know, what, whatever else. But, um, I, I do think the, the sort of final sequence between them, um, is really, is a really good one. Um, and I, I think, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'll say about that. I, um, oh, one thing to note, and I kind of mentioned it, um, before, but this movie was edited, um, and I forgot how bad it looks too. Um, the, so the sequences with, um, the party, the house party, um, they put some, uh, <laughs> some people standing in front of, um, you know, some of the, the scenes that, uh, you know, were too, too hot for an R rated movie. Right. Um, and it looks really bad. <laughs> Um, and I just, I find that a little funny. And one, one thing that I, um, was thinking about was like, would, would Kubrick have, have done that? Like, obviously the studio did that after his death, but would Kubrick have sort of caved and, uh, toned down his, his movie? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he would have, but, um, it's interesting to, to note. Um, that that was, you know, one thing that sort of wasn't technically his his original vision. Um, did you notice the the like conspicuously placed uh, cloaked people <laughs> in that scene? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I did notice it. I was like, well, you know, like they can't they can't show a ton of things. And I was like, uh, to be honest, I, I did notice it. And I was like, well, you know, like the point still gets across. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't yes. think it really would have been any different any other way besides more shock but again this movie doesn't feel like it's trying to be hot in any way no you know, this no, movie no, feel, this movie no. feels very like like yeah i, I don't it, know it feels it, it feels kind of like you're i don't know like you're, it's like you're clinical. Very far it's away. Like, yeah yes yeah clinical but, yeah that, that's a good way of putting it yeah. it's like when he's talking about um uh, you know, they're, they're having that fight and he's talking about, or she, she's like, yeah, but like when you, when you uncloak, you know, uh, a woman and you know, you're, you're examining her and whatnot. Um, like, and he's like, yeah, but she's my patient. Like, I don't, I don't think that's the last thing that's on my mind. That, like, that's kind of how I feel about <laughs> this movie in a lot of ways, yeah. um, is that it has like a very a very distant feel, um, on purpose. It's trying to make you, um, not, not like uncomfortable necessarily, but it's, it's not, it's not really trying to, um, to, to titillate, uh, at all. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, but that, that whole sequence of them being sort of cloaked and the mystery behind that, 
Um, it's not that they're like the mystery isn't that they're having sex parties. The mystery is that they are like, what are they doing? Basically, like what right, other the stuff? Weird, like the church, like Emperor Palpatine, the, cha- and the red yeah, the chanting and the, and the you know him like waving around the incense, and you're like, you're like, what is like what? What are they doing? Like, what? yeah, it looks like a Dark Souls boss is gonna start <laughs> or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, and and you're like, what is what what god are they praying to what you know like how do i don't i don't understand any of this you know yeah um which which is which is why there's like an intrigue behind uh sort of what's going on and sort of i think that's why you feel connected to him as he's being like pulled deeper and deeper down this rabbit hole um even when you know all signs point to this being a terrible idea and he should leave immediately <laughs> um I do love one more thing and we can move on. Um, I love the line in that final sequence when, when he's sort of outing him as uh, um, like, you know, giving him a scold um, at the end. Um, He talks about (laughs) um, like, he's like, the like the pa- yeah the password was the the final thing that that gave you away um but you know that when they took your coat you had a receipt in your pocket and like <laughs> you know all that stuff like i love i love that whole sequence where he's yeah he's like you're you're stupid you're basically an idiot like what did you think was gonna happen um, right you know you're you're out of your depths um at this kind of party because it is something where you're like you know, you think about it as like, well, I don't know. I could, I could investigate secrets. You know, I could be, I could be Batman. I could, you know, I right. could do detective work. Um, oh, also, also the the mansion that it takes place at, like that totally looks like a Batman mansion. Like yeah, it's gotta be yeah. right. Like they must have used that in a movie. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's gotta be a site. Well, uh, all of all of the this, the the whole movie was filmed in England, by the way. Um, Whoa! I actually had a thought that the movie was not in New York. Um, no, it's not. And, it's none of it is filmed in New York. I think it had to do with the apartment shots, like out the like the window is very like set TV set kind of mm-hmm. looking. Yeah, um, which is fine. Like, there's nothing. It, it wasn't like egregious. It was just kind of like, well, you know, they, it's a set. You know, and it's like way bigger than any New York apartment. I mean, I don't know about the the '90s, but um, right, <laughs> yeah, it's like massive. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean Kubrick was notoriously um, uh, terrified of flying, so he he never did. And he actually what he had his pilot's license early on, and then I think it, like oh. his friend died, um, and he got like scared after that. Um, Dang. so he, he, he stopped flying and f- shot all of his, so e- even, um, even full metal jacket, all of that was shot in England. Um, oh but, yeah. I don't know if you knew that, but that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So full metal jacket, uh, Barry Lyndon, I've seen 2001 shining. We watched obviously way back and we watched paths of glory and one more, right? What was the other one? Um, Clockwork. Clockwork, right. Yeah, my thoughts on Kubrick as a retrospective. I can't believe I'm going to say this, Cameron. But uh, what do you think my favorite movie um, from Kubrick is? Barry uh, Lyndon. 
People need to watch this movie. <laughs> uh, I love Barry Lyndon. It is, it is a great film. Um, and is it boring? Yeah, who cares? You know, it is boring. But um, I think that the movie is beautiful and it's relaxing and that's what i wanted in life you know it's a little bit of just well what about paths of glory because i think there's an argument there that that might be his best movie um and watching again sort of in sort of in his whole context i'm 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 kind of leaning to that conclusion i like paths of glory i think it's um probably one of his most heartfelt films but there's something about that heartfelt feeling that comes into Barry Lyndon and it's coming from an older Kubrick. Yes. Too. Yeah. Like yeah. there's something that's like much more, uh, instead of being a fired up kid, uh, who's like, I'm we're, like, we're mad at these things that everyone can get behind. There's something much more personal and contemplative that's in Barry Lyndon that I have always wanted to see from Kubrick, I think. I think mm. that's really what it comes down to, is I've always wanted to see a little bit of that side of him. And it's still there are still strange robotic alien <laughs> sides to the characters in that movie. Yeah. But there is really some... There, there feels like there's a much more deep appreciation for human life in the film as well. Yeah, and I think... Um... I think the emotion element of it, um, there's like there's a certain part of it that, you know, British society, I guess you could say, is like, um, you know, restrained in that way of not, you know, not wanting to show emotion or whatever else. Yeah. Um, and so this movie has a great way of of like hiding the the real emotion under the sur under surface of being sort of um, poised on the outside. Um, which I, I really appreciate about this movie. And like probably Kubrick is the best person to do that in, in some ways where um, because he's so emotionless in, in many of his movies um, that he he's able to sort of pick away at the, um, you know, high society norms, I guess, and, and slip something under the surface that is um, very, very deep and very human. So. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Barry Lyndon too. So, you know, don't get me wrong. Um, but, but to be fair, um, <clears throat> you know, Kubrick, I've, I've always really appreciated all of the movies that I've seen from him and I like many of his movies more now that we've done this sort of full rewatching of them. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's interesting because I think like, his movies are tough to chew on in the sort of immediate. And then as it goes along and as you think about them more, uh, at least in my experience, I've been more and more um, surprised by how deep they go um, and how interesting many of them truly are and, and how sort of rich the vision that he has is. Um, and like, obviously the, the number one, uh, the number one criticism of his movies is that they're emotionless um, or, you know, a little bit alien. Um, but I, I do think he hits at some other things that are, um, that are deep and, um, 
and pretty meaningful in terms of his, you know, his ultimate vision. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I think I can't, here's the thing. I can't, it's been a long time since I've seen the shining. There's something about the shining that feels kind of, and I've said this before, like liminal space esque, or, or, or like there's something about it that's very like it's dreamy and unsettling because there's something in the back of your head that's like, why does this feel familiar when it's so foreign? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that about that movie. I hope it still feels that way if I watch it again. But my first viewing was that, so I think there's some magic in that film, yeah. and I think it's very approachable, and I like that for it. The second viewing of Full Metal Jacket was a completely different experience than the first. And I really loved my second viewing. Um, again, I thought it was just, I don't know. I just, i there was something, I, I was surprised how different a movie could feel revisiting it. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. With that, with that one. And so I think Full Metal Jacket's my number two. Okay. And then The Shining. All right. Um, because though I think The Shining is incredible. As far as after that, um, yeah i i do I do like Paths of Glory a lot. Um, I don't think I would want to watch it over the shining or full metal jacket, but I think it would go next followed by 2001, which I think is pretty, um, pretty incredible looking. I think 2001 is just, is stunning. Yeah. Uh, They're pretty boring. (laughs) I don't know. I, I, my first viewing, I was not too, I I was bored with the, the beginning, but the, the like actual space stuff, I was like, this is great. Like I'm, I'm totally in it. You know, I, I enjoyed that, that section a lot. Um, yeah. As far as the other one, let's see, there's clockwork, which I don't like that much at all. Um, and I think our conversation about the film was more exciting than anything I've reflected on after that movie was definitely like, I watched it for the audience I suffered for it, and I don't think people need to watch that film. Um, I think our conversation was like worth it. Does that make sense? Yeah, like yeah, I was like, I, I had I, we had, we had a fun conversation about. It. I think it was it was worth it for the show. I I just it kind of makes my head spin a little bit as I'm thinking about like how do I want to talk like. Talking about the sh- talking about the mo- the movie on the show and the context of being a creator and watching a movie to like build content on it and I'm like this movie like outside of all of what I'm doing it's like I just no- I'm not it's not like something that I really think people should watch you know and I don't really like I feel like you got to be pretty nerdy into film to want to go down that sort of thing um, yeah pro- probably. I don't think most people have seen it and I no, I don't think uh, most people care to necessarily. So And I don't think people most people will take the time to really consider chew, it. Chew either. on it. Yeah. 
you know, because yeah, it's, I, either, I it's either going to like, it's going to disturb, just disturb you, you, yeah. you know, and then you're going to sit, if you actually get through it, you're going to be kind of like, huh? You know, and <laughs> I think that's why like our conversation, like it's supposed to be one of those conversation films, right? So it's, yeah, I don't, I so don't know. that would be like, at I the bottom kinda, of the list? I think so. I and think then, so. I just. Would you put Eyes Wide Shut above that or Dr. Strangelove above that? Right. So I forgot, we forgot Dr. Strangelove. I knew there was another one in there. Um, Strangelove didn't connect with me. And Strangelove felt, it felt old. I'm not sure why that movie felt older. It felt older than Paths of Glory uh, to me. It felt like it belonged in like the forties or something. I'm not entirely sure why it was, it felt so ancient, but, um, I feel very neutral about that film. And I also feel neutral about this film. Eyes wide shut. Mm. I, I just, I don't know which one I would prefer. I feel like maybe I'd have to give strange love another chance. So that's makes me want to put it like up. Um, this movie, I'm kind of like, I just, I'm still not sure how to feel about it, to be honest. Um, I watched it a couple days ago, and so I'm kind of like, I don't really know why we went through all of that, and I didn't get, like, the marriage story thing, and I also didn't really get the thriller thing, because it felt like the thriller thing and the marriage story thing were, like, on two different fields and the thriller stuff was pretty interesting. And then the relational stuff was not very interesting, but it ends and starts with the relationship stuff. So I'm also kind of like, huh? You know, like I'm I'm very like, I thought this movie was like, it kind of starts there and it could have deterred into this wild sort of like thriller, like underbelly thing. Um, but then it kind of just hard turns back into the relationship stuff. And I, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure about it. Um, so yeah, those, I think strange love and eyes wide shut and clockwork, those three are like kind of at my bottom and I'm like, they're there. It's like, it's, it's the Kubrick. It is Kubrick's work. You know, they still feel like they're kind of in their own section of cinema. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how I feel about Kubrick's work is that it's like, it's hard to compare Mad Max Fury Road or Star Wars to anything that Kubrick has made because it's so uniquely him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I um, agree. Which which is why I wanted to sort of do a deep dive on him in that he he is really unique and he probably, you know, of the 20th century directors, um he he has made some really long-lasting waves. Uh and I think I think he's such an important figure, even if like, like the, you know, this list is kind of short and you know, like, like Hitchcock made like, I don't know. I don't even know how many movies he made, but like he made so many more movies than Kubrick did. Um, but with, with sort of the density of work that, that Kubrick has, um, I don't know. It's pretty impressive and kind of unlike any, uh, many other directors, um, you know, uh, up to that point or since. So, um, yeah, to me, he is such an important filmmaker. Um, 
but I can I can understand a lot of people being put off probably by his by some of his movies and I don't I you know f- fair enough um and I think that's like that makes sense for for a lot of people I feel like um I just my thing is like I think Barry Lyndon's at my top because I'm like this is a movie that's like kind of you kind of just cruise through it and <laughs> I'm not entirely sure why I wasn't like it's I feel like it's one of his least disturbing movies you know oh yeah definitely it's not and, disturbing and maybe, at all it's fun it's rated that, PG maybe, <laughs> I know maybe that's why I was like I enjoy this you know maybe I'm just a baby you know I'm not sure but I was just like I was people should see that people should see the undisturbing Kubrick movie yeah Do you know what I, I mean? yeah no like, I, I agree and, it is and I think that's why I, that's why I feel so strongly about that movie and um I guess you could put like strange love and paths of glory is not like the most disturbing but I would I would say paths of glory is horrifying it, well if you're actually invested in the emotion of the movie like the, yeah. the, the uh execution moment is like very moving um and should disturb you and that's kind of like part of it and I think strange love the the premise is disturbing and sort of the the implications around uh you know sort of well, like what he's trying to point out is disturbing. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, all I think I think all of his movies have an element of disturbingness to them. Barry Lyndon probably is the least, I guess. Um, but I, I, yeah, but I, I kind of agree. It's like there's there's a um, under the surface of many of Kubrick's movies, there's a level of, of something gone wrong. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my thing is like, I think where I'm at a clash with Kubrick is I don't watch, I don't want to watch as a cat, like as someone who still kind of considers themselves casual, I don't want to watch anything disturbing, you know? (laughs) I'm not, I'm tired, man. Like, I don't want to watch this stuff, you know? Like, I don't want to see anything like this, you know? And what I, what I like about Kubrick's films is that he's like, well, why don't you just try me? Because sometimes it can be worth it, you know? Mm. Sometimes it's like, it's like you really shouldn't play Russian roulette, you know? But for some reason... Like you had that Nerf revolver and you tried it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you had yeah, the yeah. Nerf gun revolver. You tried it once because you just wanted to see like why. I don't know why. You're like, this is like very exciting, right? For a second. <laughs> to to watch it over and over again. Like oh, watch different movies over and over again. Like it's like I, oh, it's a little exhausting. It's a little much, you know? So um, uh, I, I, this is, this is, okay, so. Whenever I'm riding as a passenger in a car and the window is down and my phone is in my hand, I always get this um, <laughs> this urge to throw my phone out the window. Do you ever get that? <laughs> Do you know what I'm no, talking no, no, about? No, no, no. Jules and I have this conversation all the time. It's, she calls it, uh, what is it? Intrusive thoughts. Right. Um, right. And, yeah, yeah. And, and I just think it's the funniest thing because it's like, well, you're human. Like, people are going to think, right? Like, people are going to have consideration, right? For her, she's always like, I always think, you know, I'm standing on the edge, like, 
what if I just like jumped off this cliff? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and it's like, I had, obviously you're not going to do it. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like there's something about his films that are kind of like this intrusive thought thing yeah. going on with it. And I, I don't really like the exploration of that. Cause usually it results in bad things, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, it's, it's like, I, I definitely think there's merit and, um, unique creativity with it. I also, I've, I've really been shocked how ma- how much, of, how many of his films are pulled from literature. Uh, yeah, it's, I- it's kind it's very like, it, it adds this thing of like intelligence to his movies um, that I think, you know, people lack today where they're like, they don't read enough. I don't read enough, you know? Um, and I think creatives and, and people making things should be reading and should be exercising that section of their brain. So yeah, it's, um, it's been, it's been a good run uh, and watch Barry Lyndon. That's basically my last thoughts on, on Kubrick for now. Yeah. Um, well, are we starting war month? I don't know, Cam. We're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to play some Russian roulette to decide what, what we're going to watch. All right. We're starting with the deer hunter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but okay. Well, I think that, that wraps it up. We try to post every Monday for you guys. We hope you enjoy the content. Um, we hope you had a good Memorial day weekend as well. Cameron and I took a break for it. Um, so sorry for the delay on the episode. Again, you can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS productions. If you want some of those bonus questions, we have more questions written in from Tim, but if you're a patron, you don't want to hear Tim's inquiries. Well, just write in and we'll override you over his <laughs> questions. So suck it, Tim. All right. Suck it, Tim. Um, but yeah, we, we appreciate you guys. Any, any last thoughts, Cameron? No, I'm glad. I'm glad we did this. This is like a big chapter closed in our uh in our in the canon you know what i mean this is like yeah it was important that we that we did this now i are you even a casual anymore i mean you've watched a kubrick movie so it's true <laughs> to be honest to, actually to be honest i i feel weird saying that now because people people will be like oh i'm into movies you know and you're like, and well, have you even seen blah blah blah? No, <laughs> no, I'll just be like, have you seen like, have you seen you know, um, have you seen like, what? Let me think of a good one. Uh, let me think of one that like I think is like, oh, you know, like sit. I'll say like, oh, you know, like I've seen Citizen Kane. They're like, what's that? <laughs> I'm like, uh, I was like, or I think the one that I get the most like, no, I haven't seen that is Casablanca actually. Mm. Mm. that one i'm like oh you know like that's a hollywood classic right and they're like what i've like, never well, seen a movie about... from before the 1990s i was like well how about uh you know like how about like sunset boulevard that one's supposed to be pretty <laughs> famous right you're, you said you're a movie lover right and they're like <laughs> dang like, you're, you're checking you their t- bona fides <laughs> I just, I mean, I don't know what to even really, ex- now people are like, oh, you know, you've watched a lot of movies, Isaac, what do you like? I'm like, I don't know, Scary Movie 5, just whatever. <laughs> like, I think you're, you're, what point? you're saying is you're still a casual in taste, uh, but you've seen you've seen a lot. You've seen a lot now. It, it, I mean, it is, it is true. You have seen um, 
probably more movies than m- most people on the planet. You ever think about that? I, I, you're probably in like the, the 97th percentile. I didn't want to be here. <laughs> Cameron forced me here. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird place to be in because I think it makes me, it makes me frustrated sometimes when I like want to, I'm watching something and I'm just kind of picking up on things that are lazy. Right. I I think that's like when I brought up stranger things, the newest season, I was like so excited because I felt like, wow, this is not put together lazily. Um, which I thought two and three were fairly lazy mm. when they put it together. I'm not going to say that there's anything more, anything like very special or deep about season four. Um, I just think it's really well executed on and it's, it's, it feels like a tight experience. It's very like, um, the dialogue is good. The camera work is good. I'm like, wow, like all this stuff is like, is really hitting. And sometimes I'll watch other movies now and I'll just be like, wow, like there's just really no, <laughs> there's just no like passion here. Like there's, there's a part of me that's like, did a wedding <laughs> cinematographer, like did someone who shoots weddings, like shoot this video or something, you know, like uh, this movie. I, I just, I know that's like, I know that's a, a really harsh diss. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've shot a wedding before. Okay. I get <laughs> it. Um, but I just, I'm like, come on guys. Like just have a little bit, like just shake the camera. You know, <laughs> put it sideways, like do something, you know, because I, I don't need another uh, like right quadrant to left quadrant conversation back and forth, you know, mm. just absolutely stationary, flawless focus. Everything is perfect looking and I'm half asleep, you know, mm. like there's mm. a part of me that's that now feels that level of snobbiness um, and I have to fight that urge. Whenever I feel that, I'm like, Isaac, just let it go. You know, <laughs> it, no one cares that you've shot on a black magic camera and you've watched a lot of movies. Okay. <laughs> just throw it all away and enjoy it because you didn't put this together. Mm, you know, mm. that's kind of like, that's my heart is I'm like, I wish I could just not care as much, you know? Um, uh, you'll never just, not, you'll never know. Actually, the, the, this is the thing that me and Juzo have found as, as we've grown older and less complicated. Um, you know, the people who are like really studying, fi- like all of the, you know, film school people I went to, or, you know, it was like, it was, it's like a bell curve. Do you know that meme where it's like, it's like the, the like, um, 80 IQ, um, and the, the 160 IQ. And then there's like the, the, the people with hundred IQ in the middle where it's like, they have the same, the, the people on the both ends, uh, have the same view <laughs> and the people in the middle are like, no, well, but this is actually, well, you know, um, <laughs> right. Right. Th- uh, that's how I feel about people who like really study film is like, I've gotten to a point where I, I like, I like simple as I was saying in the beginning. Um, I just, I like things that, that make me feel good, um, that I enjoy. It's, it's like, it's like if you've ate a lot of different cuisines, you know, and you started as a kid eating McDonald's, it's like, well, at least if I get McDonald's, it's going to hit. It's going to be like exactly <laughs> like what I expect. It's not going to disappoint me. Whereas I just paid $200 for a steak dinner and the steak was dry. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, 
almost there's almost a moment in my brain where I'm like, I should have just went to McDonald's because I wouldn't have been disappointed. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I don't know about McDonald's. Maybe In and Out. Um, yeah, it, well, sure. You know, any fast food that you want to pick, right? Um, and I guess you got to have a good steak once to know what a bad one's like. Sure, but sure. Um, man, it sucks having bad steak. So <laughs> we post uh, every Monday, and uh, we hope you appreciate the show. Thank you guys for listening. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.